You struggle with prayer? Do you feel like I don't pray because I don't know how to pray or I struggle with prayer because of what I am praying about or I struggle with prayer because I've been let down before? You may have a, 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 a whole ton of reasons why you struggle with prayer. Some of you may not struggle with prayer because you don't even pray. So it's not really a struggle. You just feel like if God knows what I want, then he'll give me what I need. And so why do I need to go to him? So it may not be a struggle to you. For some, right now you're learning that there is something called prayer. Because some of us learn prayer was something that you do as an emergency or a last case scenario kind of situation. Or we just throw out prayers to God, like if you're late for work, oh Lord, please help me get ready quick. You know, we just throw out prayers that, that aren't really, really devoted to God and you're, you're spending time with the Lord. But we want to learn not just how we struggle with prayer, but what do we do when we struggle with prayer? How are we supposed to pray? Is prayer something we're supposed to do? Does it even work? You may have been brought up with a, a background of repetitious prayers and you're at a point in life and you're thinking, I don't know if these prayers have been working. Or maybe you're learning about prayer and you're saying, I want to press deeper into what prayer is all about. Well, one thing we want to learn is how to struggle, not struggle praying because it can come across in the way of struggle with prayer or we can struggle with prayer. See, there's a difference there. Amazing, the English language. You can say, struggle with prayer, or you can say, struggle with prayer. And it makes all the difference. But that's what we want to learn. We want to learn how to struggle with prayer. Because Jesus, did you know that he struggled? But he struggled with prayer. Yesterday, when we were uh, starting the Ho'olalea, prior to that, because in Hilo, it rains once in a while... It rained the entire week. So we were praying the entire week. The morning of, I'm praying because we live out in Paradise Park. I'm praying because at 5 o'clock in the morning, it's storming. The rain is coming down and I'm saying, Lord, help us. Please stop the rains. Then I said, but if it does rain, not that much. Just not too much rain. But if, it's, but if you want it to rain because you want to fill up the catchment of you know, people that are in catchment, then great. Or if you want to water the land, then great. But just rain from now. Hold it until after the whole laulea and then let it rain. And then it's like the Lord said, what are you talking about on Sunday? I said, I'm talking about struggling with prayer. And he said, but what is, what is the heart behind the message and I said, well, are we going to be talking about Jesus and, and his struggle and, and his, his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he said, okay, but what is the point of your prayer talk? And I said, well, Jesus prayed this prayer, and we're going to get into that. And here's, here's where we are today. In Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to read, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's, uh, you actually have your notes in your bulletin. You can... Take out your notes and, and follow along with us. And this scripture is not in your notes, so you can write it down, check it out later, and I'll read it to us. But in Matthew chapter 26, we're going to read what the Lord was speaking to me yesterday morning. 
and him reminding me what we're going to talk about today. And in Matthew chapter 26, in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Have you ever found yourself in a position or in in a place of life that you're sorrowful or deeply distressed? Jesus experienced that too. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So he he instructed his disciples to, to stay here and watch with him. And he even felt to the point of death this sorrowful anguish. Some of us, we get to that point. We feel like, okay, my life is ending. I mean, I'm, I just feel dead today. And Jesus was experiencing that. But then he went on a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So he prayed that. The cup he was referring to is kind of like a, a, a drink offering or a, a pouring out of an offering. In fact, in the Bible we read when a king just just mumbled, Boy, I'm thirsty. His, his uh, troops heard that, went behind enemy lines, got him the freshest water, and brought it to the king. And the king said, I'm not even worthy to drink this. You guys risk your lives for this fresh water. And he poured it out as a drink offering or poured it out as an offering to God. He said, I'm not even worthy for this. Jesus was saying, my life is going to be poured out as an offering so that all the sins of the world will be forgiven. And he's saying, if that cup can be passed, if that's possible, can it be passed? But he said, but not my will. Your will be done. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. So kind of like in church, same thing. We find people sleeping. And he said to Peter, yeah, those of you who were just sleeping and you got up like, oh, what happened? You'll find out why later. And, and he went to his disciples and he, went, he said to Peter, he said, what, could you not watch and pray with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. So second service, they were sleeping. For their eyes were heavy. You know how you have heavy eyes? You're trying to stay up. I'm just going to pray. Anybody catch me? Again, the third, and then he came to them. Uh, So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? So third service, still sleeping. Behold, it makes me feel so comfortable that they fell asleep on Jesus too. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. But he says this. He says, rise. Let us be going. You see, my betrayer is at hand. Now, Jesus prayed this prayer. And as I'm praying for all of these things and for the weather, and I'm praying that, you know, Lord, please help us with the weather. He reminds me of what we're going to be talking about today. And he says, what? 
are you talking about on Sunday? The heart behind the message. And I said, that your will would be done, not ours. And so I, I, I changed my perspective. I said, Lord, whatever you do on Saturday, which was yesterday, we're good with it. So long your will is done. And God provided over $30,000 to be given to our youth and children from all what happened yesterday. So thank you, God, for providing the finances. And so thank you for all the volunteers and those of you who served yesterday. It was just a wonderful day. And it had nothing to do with the weather as it's raining now. Nothing to do with the weather. It had everything to do with God's will being done according to who He is and how we were able to reach out to people. See, God knows what's going to happen. He knows what's best. I think when we understand the heart behind prayer and how we can struggle with prayer, then we'll begin to understand that prayer is not something that we do Prayer is just a way that God connects us with what He's already going to do. And He wants us to be a part of it. Regardless of the weather, regardless of the circumstances, or regardless of our condition. He says, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says it like this, and it's in your notes. He says, rejoice always. Not just when the rain stops or when we have our way or when things are going according to plan. He says, rejoice always no matter what. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And even though we may struggle with prayer, there is comfort in knowing that Jesus also struggled. But He struggled with prayer. And we can learn from Him how we can struggle with prayer. See, when we pray to God, sometimes that's our last option. We say to God, oh, help me with this. And and we turn to Him because everything is not going according to our plan. But make prayer your first option. You can write that in your first point. Make it your first option. The first thing. And and a, a prayerful prayer with God. Rather than telling Him what we want, we go to Him. And as Jesus said, as how He modeled us to pray... Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done. That's that's, Jesus not only instructed us to pray in that kind of way, he also modeled that with his disciples. When he was going through a deep, tough time and a decision that he needed to make, he modeled for us to pray that God's will would be done. It's okay to struggle with prayer. Just don't make that your last option. Because then, by then, we're, we're like distant from God. Psalm 32, verse 6, it says, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Have you ever come to a time in your life where it seems like God is not there? And you're wondering if He even hears our prayers or if he's even uh, concerned about what we go through. Someone said it like this, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Make that your first option. Don't make it your last option because by then, because we haven't made him our first priority, it'll seem like he's nowhere to be found. 
But He's always available. Sometimes we feel that God is not there. It's not because He's not there. The question is, have I been with Him? Have I, have I been close by His side? Or did I come to Him worst case scenario? Or when I was at my worst and I cried out to God because nothing else worked. Now, He'll still, he'll still be there for us. But why make that my last option? That should be my first option. Have any of you ever gotten lost in a store when you're a child? You know how traumatic that is when you cannot find your parents? I couldn't find my mom. Now, if you get lost, well, as a child, if you get lost, even 7-Eleven is a traumatic, you know, situation. It's like, oh, where's my mom, my dad? There's like three aisles, one way in, one way out. But it's still traumatic because everything seems so huge. I got lost at Ala Moana. And... I, I thought my mom was right next to me. And, you know, I got distracted with all the toys. And I went to the bubblegum machine. And you're supposed to put a quarter in if the kids are wondering, what are you doing? Uh, anyway, your parents will explain. That's before I knew Jesus. And I got distracted with everything. I turned around. I looked. My mom was gone. I had no clue where she was. And I searched and searched and searched. And, you know, you get to that breaking point where you're no longer calling, Mom! You're like, Mom! <laughs> Mom, mom, mom. And, and, you know, people are walking by you. Are you lost? You, you don't want to talk to them. They're all strangers and they're big. They're tall. But finally I found my mom and I felt comforted. You know, you got the, <laughs> why you leave me, mom? Why you? And she said, why didn't you stay by my side? I told you, stay by my side. I said, no, it's by you, but you didn't leave me. I thought they were going to sell me. I thought, you know, I was never going to find her again. But then she said, remember what I said, stay close by. We had no leashes back then. Now we have leashes. <laughs> but I remember after she said that, after, after I remembered that feeling of being distant from my mom, I stayed close by her side. If I got a little distant, I would look up, make sure she's right there. Okay, mom's right there. Oh, she's moving. Okay, mom's there. Oh, mom's there. And I'll keep moving with her. That's what God is looking for. He's saying, when you make prayer your first option, you're following me. You're staying close by my side. I will be found. It's not going to be in a time where I'm not found. I will be found because you're close by my side. Make it your first option. Jesus always turned to the Father first. In Luke chapter 22, verse 44, it says, He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. In some translations, it said he, he sweat blood, or blood dropped from his face. Now, it is shown that it is an extreme medical condition that is only possible for those who are experiencing the most devastating distress humanly possible. We may never reach that point, but Jesus did, which tells us that He understands what we go through when we go through our, our deepest, most darkest moments, when we go through sorrows or pain or we're in anguish. No matter how hard life is, Jesus understands because he went through even worse. 
See, when we make prayer our first option, it really broadens our perspective. It really opens up more options. Otherwise, if you're stuck in one place and you don't make prayer your option, or you don't go to God to prayer, then you're thinking on your own. How do I figure this out? How am I going to fix this? What will happen if this? And you try to put together scenarios to make things work. Then we start blaming other people when God is saying, why didn't you come to me? Make that your first option. It opens up our perspective. In fact, number two, you can write that in. Prayer broadens my perspective. It broadens it. It doesn't narrow our perspectives. Sometimes we think, well, if I pray to God, then he's going to narrow down my options. No, he will open up your options. He will always find a way out. But we need to go to him first. See, our perspectives by default are shaped not by our future. Our perspectives by default are shaped by our past. What happened in our past gives us a perspective for what's happening. And it it cannot even give us hope for the future. Because we think to ourselves, okay, this is what I want my family to look like, but this is what happened in the past, so I don't know if this is possible. Okay, hopefully my marriage can work, but all I know is what has not been working. So our perspectives are skewed because of our past. But prayer broadens our perspective. It gives us more options. In the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. We all would be named Jabez. (laughs) He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And listen to this. And God granted him his request. Isn't that amazing? I tell you what's more amazing than what we just read is the fact that the chronicler, the one who's writing this, if you read before these scriptures, he's listing a whole bunch of names. This person did this, this person did that, this person this, this person that, this person begot this person. And it's almost like if you're reading this, you're, you want to skip over it because you're thinking, who cares what these guys did? I didn't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. So you kind of skip over it if you're reading the Bible. But the author comes to this man named Jabez. And he pauses and he says, wait a minute, this guy Jabez, he's not like anybody else. He's not like so-and-so. Wait a minute, Jabez, he's, he's honorable. Wait a minute, that's the guy, that's, that's Jabez, whose mom named him Pain. Pain. Imagine if your name was Pain, growing up in Hawaii. Pain, Pain, know your name. That's not a great name to have. And so he would write this down and he said, wait a minute, I remember Jabez, he prayed to God to expand his territory. And God granted him his request. So he saw something that took place in the life of Jabez that was worth the time to write it down. Imagine Jabez, all his life, all he knew was his name was pain. And as he prays to God, he says, I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want trouble to come to me. I don't want to be in pain Expand my borders. God granted him his request. It tells me this, that before Jabez 
was given the request and God granted him his request of expanding his territory, he first had to come to God to broaden his perspective. All he knew was pain and sorrow. That's, he was reminded of that every single day just by his name. And he said to God, I, this, this is where I am. I don't want to be that. Brought in my perspective. And God says, okay, here's where you are. Brought in my territory. I'll grant that to you. See, prayer, when we go to God, it broadens our perspective. Where we used to say, oh, I can't do this because this is how I was brought up. God says, yes, you can because I have a better life for you. Well, I can't get better in my marriage because I messed up. I did this. Yes, you can because I'm going to give you a better perspective. I'm going to open up your options and you're going to be able to be fruitful in your life. You're going to do well. Yeah, but you know, in my past, I've done this. I filed for bankruptcy back then. I can't. So I'm not going to be able to have good credit here. God says, I'm the best credit you'll ever have. I will provide for you. So change your perspective through prayer. And God is saying, I can broaden your territory. I can do that. It's, you got to change your perspective. And that only comes through God. It's not just for us to think positive. It's for us to ask God for that clear direction. Because when he broadens our perspective, we want the right perspective. He gives us those options. He broadens it. When things don't go our way, really think it through. And thank God that his will is being done. May not go according to our way, which is great. I'd rather it be according to the will of God anyway. Prayer broadens our perspective. It is said that a Christian praying on their knees can see a whole lot farther than a philanthropist can see on their tiptoes. Prayer broadens our perspective. It catapults us from a hopeless past into a hopeful future. When Heidi and I were praying about our finances, we said, there's no other options. We're going to have to do this. And then we prayed together. God opened up our perspective, broadened our perspective. He said, go for financial counseling and see what happens. And it was a struggle to do that, but we did. And through counseling, our financial advisor said, okay, cut this, cut that, cut this, cut that, and you'll be fine. Like, what? So, what, no cell phone? No internet? There's no way we can live without internet. He said, that's the options you have. Or otherwise, you're going to go backwards and continue to go into debt. And in the future, you'll file for bankruptcy. It's your choice. And I'm so glad we cut everything and God provided for what we needed, not what we wanted. And I tell you, that the, the good news about that is we were still able to tithe and God said, I'm going to continue to bless you because you're doing my will, not yours. And as the years went by, then I began to understand that his will is so much better than our will. When we change and when we pray to him, our options opened up. He doesn't minimize our options. He opens them up. He gives us more options. We will always have options. We just don't see them. Sometimes we don't want to do His will because it's too hard. But He's giving us the way and He's saying, here's the way. And we're saying, ah, I don't want to do that. Too hard. He's saying, but that's, there's more options there. It's if we're willing to do so. 
I must be okay with the options that God gives. It's always there. We just don't see them. When Moses was leading the Israelites out of uh, slavery in Egypt, and they're going through the desert, they came across this one place uh, that, you know, they needed water. Because your greatest commodity, your greatest asset, your, the greatest, your, you want water in the desert. Well, they came to this one wellspring, and it was bitter waters. And so I don't know how they figured that out. Maybe they said, hey, Charlie, go test the water. He tested it, he'd mock it, and, you know, he passed out. and said, okay, let's not, let's not drink the water. But then Moses prayed to God. And he prayed to God this prayer, and it's found in the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 25, in your notes. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Now, I don't know if that was a special branch, like some kind of special water filtration system that was, you know being tested back in the day, or I don't know what, what the whole issue was. All I know is a miracle took place. But we think the miracle was that the waters became sweet. And although that is a miracle in itself, or something great happened, the greatest miracles are not necessarily things we see. It's when a heart changes. That's the greatest miracles. If we never look for the heart change, we'll miss the moments of the greatest miracles in life. When a husband says to his wife, I'm sorry, forgive me, that's a miracle. (laughs) When a wife says to the husband, I'm so sorry, honey, forgive me, that's a miracle. When our children say, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry, that's a miracle. When forgiveness is given, those are miracle moments. Don't miss the miracle moments. But here's what's interesting. The tree or that piece of wood was always there. God just showed them where it was. See, the the wood didn't appear. The Bible didn't say it appeared. Uh, God created a a brand new species of wood so that it could do this water filtration or, or cleanse the waters. God showed Moses. It was always there. But when he turned to the Lord, it broadened his perspective. And now Moses was able to see more options. They're always there. We got to ask God so that he shows it to us. Otherwise, we stay in darkness. We stay in the pit and we try to figure things out by ourselves. And we settle for bitter waters because of our lack of options. We settle for a bitter life, a bitter marriage, bitter relationships, bitter hopes, bitter dreams. Because we never ask God to broaden our perspective. I was counseling this one couple and they were going to be married and I was going to do their ceremony. And they moved to Oahu so we had to do, you know, like Skype. And and so we did marriage counseling that way and it worked fine. And they were going to be married in so many months. But their finances were being depleted. And they were struggling with their finances. Finally, they called me one day and the the bride-to-be, she said... We're going to have to move in together because of our finances and we can't afford rent. So that's our only option. Now, their commitment to one another was they were going to stay pure. 
uh, until they got married to do it God's way and say, we're going we're gonna to abstain from sex until we get married, and so we're going to live in different places. But because of finances, they said, this is our only option. We're going to live together. And I said, that's not your only option because that's not God's way. He said, no, 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 we can live together. We're just going to abstain from sex. And I said, good luck. <laughs> and so I said, did you guys pray? And they said, for, I said, to, for options. They said, there is no other options. I said, let's pray. We prayed the next day. Now, I'm praying, and, you know, we all go through this. We pray, and, and we hope something good happens. But then sometimes I'm praying, and I'm thinking, I hope they don't just move in together and, and, and compromise and, 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 and do what they feel is, is the only option. And so I'm praying this prayer. The next day she calls, she goes, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, I probably won't. And she said, a Christian woman called us today. I don't even know who she is. And she said, I understand that you're going to be married and you want to do things God's way. And so you're, you're, living, you're not living together with your fiancé and you want to continue. But because of finances, you, you feel you have to move in together. She said, I have an extra downstairs where you have your own place, kitchen, everything. And she said, you can move in and rent is free until you get married. Then you can move in together. Now she's telling me that she's crying. You know, she's like, and, then, and, then, and then she told me that I couldn't really understand her. So I had to have a translator. But she, she, she saw God move. And her options opened up. And I thought, they thought that was, that was the only option. And a miracle took place. Now to her, the miracle was that God provided a place. To me, the miracle was that heart change. To say, I'm going to turn to God. Don't miss those miracle moments. That's the perspective God wants us to have, is His perspective. Let not my will be done, Lord, but let your will be done. Even though I'm at a place where I have, it seems like I have no more options. I'm in a dark season of my life. We have options. They're there. God just needs to show it to us. But we need to pray to Him and ask Him. He'll open it up. He'll show us. Even in our most darkest seasons. Pray through even your darkest seasons. In fact, number three, you can write this in our last point today. Pray through the valleys of darkness. Pray through those valleys. That valley that we go through, it just feels dark and you feel like you're all alone, like nobody else understands. Finances are, are tight. A job, the job market is scarce. You're trying your very best to make things work. The relationship is not going well. Children and family and, and school and scholarships, you've got to figure things out and it feels like it's a dark time. And God says, pray through that because I am with you. When you have someone you know next to you who is powerful that you know they can take care of the situation it gives you so much more comfort and peace it's like when we were kids you know like our parents would tell us spooky stories to traumatize us i don't know why and then they would you know and and then when we'd go to sleep as cousins you know they're telling us spooky stories you got to go under the blanket and the best place to be is in the middle Yes, you put all the little ones on the outside just in case the boogeyman come, they grab them. So you just push them out and, and hopefully they take them guys. And you hide in the middle. But when you're in the middle and everybody's huddled up, you feel so at peace. 
You feel like nothing can grab me. They're going to get you guys. And you feel that peace. And you feel comforted because you, you, you feel protected. Now, the, the shepherd's psalm, in Psalm 23, it, it reminds us of that. And in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. And why? Here it is. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Prayer clings us close to Christ. We can pray through the most darkest valleys. Why? Because He is right there beside us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He's right there by our sides. We say it this way, I'd rather walk through the darkest valleys with Christ than run on the mountaintops without Him. Pray through the dark times. When Jesus encountered the final moments of His life before the cross, even though He was in anguish, He was able to cling close to the Father. And because of clinging close, He was able to pray life's most powerful prayer of release and trust. And it's in our next scripture, Matthew 26, 39. He went on a little farther and bowed with His face to the ground, praying, My Father... If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want, let's read this part together. Ready, go. Your will to be done, not mine. Do you know how much freedom there is in praying that prayer to let your will be done? This way we don't have to worry about the outcome of any given season of our life. Even though we go through the dark times, we get to enjoy the life that is given to us because we don't have to carry the burdens of what we don't know is going to happen. It's a prayer of release. Let your will be done. That is a prayer worth praying. Amen. Amen. Put away your Bibles and your notes. You know, many of us do things in life and we pray for ourselves and we pray for people and we want God's best for everyone. This morning I got to meet Danny Yamashiro, and I know you're in here this morning, Danny. Sorry, I'm pointing you out, but I just want to uh, just welcome you guys. First of all, Danny, you're visiting from Oahu. I know you're with uh, your son Hugo and uh, Justin, his friend. Uh, but for what you do in your ministry, thank you, because I know you pray with people. He's actually on the radio on Oahu 95.9, and uh, he has a, a wonderful ministry, dannyyamashiro.org. And, or you can go to thegoodlifehawaii.org and they're doing phenomenal things. But he's visiting. I just want to welcome you this morning. Can we do that to Danny Yamashiro? Just welcome you this morning. Thank you for being with us. You know, I, I think about people like him and, and, and what he does in his ministry. And although he may have a radio show and he'll agree to this, we all can make a difference in the world. When we pray to our God, It just broadens our perspective. It opens up the heavens. It allows us to be a part of what God is doing. My prayer this morning is that you would seek Him out first. Make prayer your first option. Make that be your, your priority, that you draw close to Him. That even through the darkest valleys, 
Remember, he's always there with us. Pray through those times and we'll see God move in phenomenal ways and we'll see prayer really work. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to close in prayer. Close your eyes for a moment. Lord, I I do thank you for the privilege that we have in coming to you and, and praying to you. You've given us a way to connect with you. We're so thankful for the heart that you have towards us. I pray this morning that if there's anyone here, Lord, that has never connected with you, they've never prayed to you, or maybe they feel unworthy, and they've never made prayer an option, or they've never thought that they could even come to you and pray to you because of their past, I pray right now, Lord, you will remind them that that's why you sent your one and only Son, to pay the price for our sins so that we could have a wonderful relationship with you. And if you're here this morning and you're, you're saying, boy, I would love to have a relationship with the Almighty God. I just don't know how. I want to have this new life that He promises me. I, w- I want a, a clear direction in my life. I want to broaden my perspective, but I don't know how to come to God. I want to pray with you. And I'm going to say some words in a prayer. And you can repeat after me. Say it with all your heart. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again from the grave to give me eternal life with you in heaven. So I give you my heart in exchange for yours. I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for those that just said yes to Jesus for the very first time. And if that's you, could you just lift a hand real briefly? I just want to pray with you. Good. God bless you. Anybody else? You said yes. God bless you. Anybody else? You're holding your hands up. Be bold. God bless you. You said yes to Jesus for the first time. God bless you. God bless you. Good. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. God bless you. God sees your heart. You put your hands down. Many of us were saying, boy, I, I, I look at my prayer life and I want to do better. I've been a Christian for a while and sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just pray before I eat, but I want to... I want to dig deeper into prayer. If that's you this morning, would you say, with a hand lifted, Lord, that's me. I want to dig deeper into prayer. Would you just lift your hand? Yeah, many of us. Lord, that's our heart. You can put your hands down. Lord, as Christians too, we struggle with prayer. But we want to struggle with prayer. With prayer. So thank you for teaching us through your son, Jesus Christ, that we would pray, let your will be done, not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen. Let's congratulate those that said yes to Jesus for the first time today. You know, the Bible says, do not forget the day of your salvation. And I don't forget mine. So I know that feeling of coming to the Lord. And and I would love to meet those who just said yes to Jesus Christ today. I'll be here right after service. And I have a free Bible for you. Uh, It would just be an honor for me to meet you and uh, celebrate with you this wonderful decision. And I'll give you a free Bible to help with your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's a a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And just 
Always remember when we pray, let thy will be done, not ours, because it's about his kingdom. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we conclude. It's all about your kingdom, Lord. Let's give this.